part thirteen of benjamin britten source stories of twelve operas by various this librivox recording is in the public domain part thirteen the rape of lucretia shakespeare the rape of lucrese section one to the right honourable henry rosely earl of southampton and baron of titchfield the love i dedicate to your lordship is without end whereof this pamphlet without beginning is but a superfluous moiety the warrant i have of your honourable disposition not the worth of my untutored lines makes it assured of acceptance what i have done is yours what i have to do is yours being part in all i have devoted yours were my worth greater my duty would show greater meantime as it is it is bound to your lordship to whom i wish long life still lengthened with all happiness your lordships in all duty william shakespeare the argument lucius tarquinius for his excessive pride surnamed superbus after he had caused his own father-in-law servius tullius to be cruelly murdered and contrary to the roman laws and customs not requiring or staying for the people's suffrages had possessed himself of the kingdom went accompanied with his sons and other noblemen of rome to besiege ardia during which siege the principal men of the army meeting one evening at the tent of sextus tarquinius the king's son in their discourses after supper every one commended the virtues of his own wife among whom collatinus extolled the incomparable chastity of his wife lucretia in that pleasant humour they all posted to rome and intending by their secret and sudden arrival to make trial of that which every one had before avouched only collatinus finds his wife though it were late in the night spinning amongst her maids the other ladies were all found dancing and revelling or in several disports whereupon the nobleman yielded collatinus the victory and his wife the fame at that time sextus tarquinius being inflamed with lucrese's beauty yet smothering his passions for the present departed with the rest back to the camp from whence he shortly after privily withdrew himself and was according to his estate royally entertained and lodged by lucrese at collatium the same night he treacherously stealeth into her chamber violently ravished her and early in the morning speedeth away lucrese in this lamentable plight hastily dispatched messengers one to rome for her father another to the camp for collatine they came the one accompanied with junius brutus the other with publius valerius and finding lucrese attired in mourning habit demanded the cause of her sorrow she first taking an oath of them for her revenge revealed the actor and whole manner of his dealing and withal suddenly stabbed herself which done with one consent they all vowed to root out the whole hated family of the tarquins and bearing the dead body to rome brutus acquainted the people with the doer and manner of the vile deed with a bitter invective against the tyranny of the king whereupon the people were so moved that with one consent and a general acclamation the tarquins were all exiled and the state government changed from kings to consuls 
from the besieged ardia all in post borne by the trustless wings of false desire lust-breathed tarquin leaves the roman host and to collatium bears the lightless fire which in pale embers hid lurks to aspire and girdle with embracing flames the waste of collatine's fair love lucrece the chaste haply that name of chaste unhappily set this baitless edge on his keen appetite when collatine unwisely did not let to praise the clear unmatched red and white which triumphed in that sky of his delight where mortal stars as bright as heaven's beauties with pure aspects did him peculiar duties for he the night before in tarquin's tent unlocked the treasure of his happy state what priceless wealth the heavens had him lent in the possession of his beauteous mate reckoning his fortune at such high proud rate that kings might be espoused to more fame but king nor peer to such a peerless dame o oh, happiness enjoyed but of a few and if possessed as soon decayed and done as is the morning's silver melting dew against the golden splendour of the sun an expired date cancelled ere well begun honour and beauty in the owner's arms are weakly fortress from a world of harms beauty itself doth of itself persuade the eyes of men without an orator what needeth then apologies be made to set forth that which is so singular or why is collatine the publisher of that rich jewel he should keep unknown from thievish ears because it is his own perchance his boast of lucrece's sovereignty suggested this proud issue of a king for by our ears our hearts oft tainted be perchance that envy of so rich a thing braving compare disdainfully did sting his high-pitched thoughts that meaner men should vaunt that golden hap which their superiors want but some untimely thought did instigate his all too timeless speed if none of those his honour his affairs his friends his state neglected all with swift intent he goes to quench the coal which in his liver glows o rash false heat wrapped in repentant cold thy hasty spring still blasts and never grows old when at calatium this false lord arrived well was he welcomed by the roman dame within whose face beauty and virtue strived which of them both should underprop her fame when virtue bragged beauty would blush for shame when beauty boasted blushes in despite virtue would stain that or with silver white but beauty in that white intitulate from venus doves doth challenge that fair field then virtue claims from beauty beauty's red which virtue gave the golden age to gild their silver cheeks and called it then their shield teaching them thus to use it in the fight when shame assailed the red should fence the white this heraldry in lucrece's face was seen argued by beauty's red and virtue's white of either's colour was the other queen proving from world's minority their right 
yet their ambition makes them still to fight the sovereignty of either being so great that oft they interchange each other's seat their silent war of lilies and of roses which tarquin viewed in her fair face's field in their pure ranks his traitor eye encloses where lest between them both it should be killed the coward captive vanquished doth yield to those two armies that would let him go rather than triumph in so false a foe now thinks he that her husband's shallow tongue the niggard prodigal that praised her so in that high task hath done her beauty wrong which far exceeds his barren skill to show therefore that praise which collatine doth owe enchanted tarquin answers with surmise in silent wonder of still gazing eyes this earthly saint adored by this devil little suspecteth the false worshipper for unstained thoughts do seldom dream on evil birds never limed no secret bushes fear so guiltless she securely gives good cheer and reverend welcome to her princely guest whose inward ill no outward harm expressed for that he coloured with his high estate hiding base sin in plates of majesty that nothing in him seemed inordinate save sometime too much wonder of his eye which having all all could not satisfy but poorly rich so wanteth in his store that cloyed with much he pineth still for more but she that never coped with stranger eyes could pick no meaning from their parling looks nor read the subtle shining secrecies writ in the glassy margins of such books she touched no unknown baits nor feared no hooks nor could she moralize his wanton sight more than his eyes were opened to the light he stories to her ears her husband's fame one in the fields of fruitful italy and decks with praises collatine's high name made glorious by his manly chivalry with bruised arms and wreaths of victory her joy with heaved-up hand she doth express and wordless so greets heaven for his success far from the purpose of his coming hither he makes excuses for his being there no cloudy show of stormy blustering weather doth yet in his fair welkin once appear till sable night mother of dread and fear upon the world dim darkness doth display and in her vaulty prison stows the day for then is tarquin brought unto his bed intending weariness with heavy sprite for after supper long he questioned with modest lucrece and wore out the night now leaden slumber with life's strength doth fight and every one to rest themselves betake save thieves and cares and troubled minds that wake as one of which doth tarquin lie revolving the sundry dangers of his wills obtaining yet ever to obtain his will resolving though weak-built hopes persuade him to abstaining despair to gain doth traffic oft for gaining and when great treasure is the meed proposed though death be adjunct there's no death supposed 
those that much covet are with gain so fond for what they have not that which they possess they scatter and unloose it from their bond and so by hoping more they have but less or gaining more the profit of excess is but to surfeit and such griefs sustain that they prove bankrupt in this poor rich gain the aim of all is but to nurse the life with honour wealth and ease in waning age and in this aim there is such thwarting strife that one for all or all for one we gauge as life for honour in fell battles rage honour for wealth and off that wealth doth cost the death of all and altogether lost so that in venturing ill we leave to be the things we are for that which we expect and this ambitious foul infirmity in having much torments us with defect of that we have so then we do neglect the thing we have and all for want of wit make something nothing by augmenting it such hazard now must doting tarquin make pawning his honour to obtain his lust and for himself himself he must forsake then where is truth if there be no self-trust when shall he think to find a stranger just when he himself himself confounds betrays to slanderous tongues and wretched hateful days now stole upon the time the dead of night when heavy sleep had closed up mortal eyes no comfortable star did lend his light no noise but owls and wolves death-boding cries now serves the season that they may surprise the silly lambs pure thoughts are dead and still while lust and murder wake to stain and kill and now this lustful lord leaped from his bed throwing his mantle rudely o'er his arm is madly tossed between desire and dread the one sweetly flatters the other feareth harm but honest fear bewitched with lust's foul charm doth too oft betake him to retire beaten away by brain-sick rude desire his falchion on a flint he softly smiteth that from the cold stone sparks of fire do fly whereat a waxen torch forthwith he lighteth which must be lodestar to his lustful eye and to the flame thus speaks advisedly as from this cold flint i enforced this fire so lucrese must i force to my desire here pale with fear he doth premeditate the dangers of his loathsome enterprise and in his inward mind he doth debate what following sorrow may on this arise then looking scornfully he doth despise his naked armour of still slaughtered lust and justly thus controls his thoughts unjust fair torch burn out thy light and lend it not to darken her whose light excelleth thine and die unhallowed thoughts before you blot with your uncleanness that which is divine offer pure incense to so pure a shrine let fair humanity abhor the deed that spots and stains love's modest snow-white weed 
o shame to knighthood and to shining arms o foul dishonour to my household's grave o impious act including all foul harms a martial man to be soft fancy's slave true valour still a true respect should have then my digression is so vile so base that it will live engraven in my face yea though i die the scandal will survive and be an eyesore in my golden coat some loathsome dash the herald will contrive to cipher me how fondly i did dote that my posterity shamed with the note shall curse my bones and hold it for no sin to wish that i their father had not been what win i if i gain the thing i seek a dream a breath a froth of fleeting joy who buys a minute's mirth to wail a week or sells eternity to get a toy for one sweet grape who will the vine destroy or what fond beggar but to touch the crown would with the sceptre straight be strucken down if Collatinus dream of my intent will he not wake and in a desperate rage post hither this vile purpose to prevent this siege that hath engirt his marriage this blur to youth this sorrow to the sage this dying virtue this surviving shame whose crime will bear an ever-during blame oh what excuse can my invention make when thou shalt charge me with so black a deed will not my tongue be mute my frail joints shake mine eyes forgo their light my false heart bleed the guilt being great the fear doth still exceed and extreme fear can neither fight nor fly but coward-like with trembling terror die had collatinus killed my son or sire or lain in ambush to betray my life or were he not my dear friend this desire might have excuse to work upon his wife as in revenge or quittal of such strife but as he is my kinsman my dear friend the shame and fault finds no excuse nor end shameful it is ay if the fact be known hateful it is there is no hate in loving i'll beg her love but she is not her own the worst is but denial and reproving my will is strong past reason's weak removing who fears a sentence or an old man's saw shall by a painted cloth be kept in awe thus graceless holds he disputation between frozen conscience and hot burning will and with good thoughts makes dispensation urging the worser sense for vantage still which in a moment doth confound and kill all pure effects and doth so far proceed that what is vile shows like a virtuous deed quoth he she took me kindly by the hand and gazed for tidings in my eager eyes fearing some hard news from the warlike band where her beloved colatinus lies oh how her fear did make her colour rise first red as roses that on lawn we lay then white as lawn the roses took away and how her hand in my hand being locked forced it to tremble with her loyal fear which struck her sad and then it faster rocked until her husband's welfare she did hear 
whereat she smiled with so sweet a cheer that had narcissus seen her as she stood self-love had never drowned him in the flood why hunt i then for colour or excuses all orators are dumb when beauty pleadeth poor wretches have remorse and poor abuses love thrives not in the heart that shadows dreadeth affection is my captain and he leadeth and when his gaudy banner is displayed the coward fights and will not be dismayed then childish fear avaunt debating die respect and reason wait on wrinkled age my heart shall never countermand mine eye sad pause and deep regard beseem the sage my part is youth and beats these from the stage desire my pilot is beauty my prize then who fears sinking where such treasure lies as corn o'ergrown by weeds so heedful fear is almost choked by unresisted lust away he steals with opening listening ear full of foul hope and full of fond mistrust both which as servitors to the unjust so cross him with their opposite persuasion that now he vows a league and now invasion within his thought her heavenly image lies and in the self-same seat sits collatine that eye which looks on her confounds his wits that eye which him beholds as more divine unto a view so false will not incline but with a pure appeal seeks to the heart which once corrupted takes the worser part and therein heartens up his servile powers who flattered by their leader's jocund show stuff up his lust as minutes fill up hours and as their captain so their pride doth grow paying more slavish tribute than they owe by reprobate desire thus madly led the roman lord marcheth to lucrezia's bed the locks between her chamber and his will each one by him enforced retires his ward but as they open they all rate his ill which drives the creeping thief to some regard the threshold grates the door to have him heard night-wandering weasels shriek to see him there they fright him yet still pursues his fear as each unwilling portal yields him way through little vents and crannies of the place the wind wars with his torch to make him stay and blows the smoke of it into his face extinguishing his conduct in this case but his hot heart which fond desire doth scorch puffs forth another wind that fires the torch and being lighted by the light he spies lucretia's glove wherein her needle sticks he takes it from the rushes where it lies and gripping it the needle his finger pricks as who should say this glove to wanton tricks is not inured return again in haste thou seest our mistress ornaments are chaste but all these poor forbiddings could not stay him he in the worst sense construes their denial the doors the wind the glove that did delay him he takes for accidental things of trial or as those bars which stop the hourly dial who with a lingering stay his course doth let till every minute pays the hour his debt 
so so quoth he these lets attend the time like little frosts that sometime threat the spring to add a more rejoicing to the prime and give the sneeped birds more cause to sing pain pays the income of each precious thing huge rocks high winds strong pirates shelves and sands the merchant fears ere rich at home he lands now is he come unto the chamber door that shuts him from the heaven of his thought which with a yielding latch and with no more hath barred him from the blessed thing he sought so from himself impiety hath wrought that for his prey to pray he doth begin as if the heavens should countenance his sin but in the midst of his unfruitful prayer having solicited the eternal power that his foul thoughts might compass his fair fare and they would stand auspicious to the hour even there he starts quoth he i must deflower the powers to whom i pray abhor this fact how can they then assist me in the act then love and fortune be my gods my guide my will is backed with resolution thoughts are but dreams till their effects be tried the blackest sin is cleared with absolution against love's fire fierce frost hath dissolution the eye of heaven is out and misty night covers the shame that follows sweet delight this said his guilty hand plucked up the latch and with his knee the door he opens wide the dove sleeps fast that this night owl will catch thus treason works ere traitors be espied who sees the lurking serpent steps aside but she sound sleeping fearing no such thing lies at the mercy of his mortal sting into the chamber wickedly he stalks and gazeth on her yet unstained bed the curtains being close about he walks rolling his greedy eyeballs in his head by their high treason is his heart misled which gives the watchword to his hand full soon to draw the cloud that hides the silver moon look as the fair and fiery pointed sun rushing from forth a cloud bereaves our sight even so the curtain drawn his eyes begun to wink being blinded with a greater light whether it is that she reflects so bright that dazzled them or else some shame supposed but blind they are and keep themselves enclosed oh had they in that darksome prison died then had they seen the period of their ill then collatine again by lucrece's side in his clear bed might have reposed still but they must ope this blessed league to kill and holy thoughted lucrece to their sight must sell her joy her life her world's delight her lily hand her rosy cheek lies under cozening the pillow of a lawful kiss who therefore angry seems to part in sunder swelling on either side to want his bliss between whose hills her head entombed is where like a virtuous monument she lies to be admired of lewd unhallowed eyes 
without the bed her other fair hand was on the green coverlet whose perfect white showed like an april daisy on the grass with pearly sweat resembling dew of night her eyes like marigolds had sheathed their light and canopied in darkness sweetly lay till they might open to adorn the day her hair like golden threads played with her breath o modest wantons wanton modesty showing life's triumph in the map of death and death's dim look in life's mortality each in her sleep themselves so beautify as if between them twain there were no strife but that life lived in death and death in life her breasts like ivory globes circled with blue a pair of maiden worlds unconquered save of their lord no bearing yoke they knew and him by oath they truly honoured these worlds in tarquin new ambition bred who like a foul usurper went about from this fair throne to heave the owner out what could he see but mightily he noted what did he note but strongly he desired what he beheld on that he firmly doted and in his will his wilful eye he tired with more than admiration he admired her azure veins her alabaster skin her coral lips her snow-white dimpled chin as the grim lion fawneth o'er his prey sharp hunger by the conquest satisfied so o'er this sleeping soul doth tarquin stay his rage of lust by grazing qualified slacked not suppressed for standing by her side his eye which late this mutiny restrains unto a greater uproar tempts his veins and they like straggling slaves for pillage fighting obdurate vassals fell exploits affecting in bloody death and ravishment delighting nor children's tears nor mother's groans respecting swell in their pride the onset still expecting anon his beating heart alarum striking gives the hot charge and bids them do their liking his drumming heart cheers up his burning eye his eye commends the leading to his hand his hand as proud of such a dignity smoking with pride marched on to make his stand on her bare breast the heart of all her land whose ranks of blue veins as his hand did scale left their round turrets destitute and pale they mustering to the quiet cabinet where their dear governess and lady lies do tell her she is dreadfully beset and fright her with confusion of their cries she much amazed breaks ope her locked-up eyes who peeping forth this tumult to behold are by his flaming torch dimmed and controlled imagine her as one in dead of night from forth dull sleep by dreadful fancy waking that thinks she hath beheld some ghastly sprite whose grim aspect sets every joint a-shaking what terror tis but she in worser taking from sleep disturbed heedfully doth view the sight which makes supposed terror true wrapped and confounded in a thousand fears like to a new-killed bird she trembling lies she dares not look yet winking there appears quick-shifting antics ugly in her eyes 
such shadows are the weak brain's forgeries who angry that the eyes fly from their lights in darkness daunts them with more dreadful sights his hand that yet remains upon her breast rude ram to batter such an ivory wall may feel her heart poor citizen distressed wounding itself to death rise up and fall beating her bulk that his hand shakes withal this moves in him more rage and lesser pity to make the breach and enter this sweet city first like a trumpet doth his tongue begin to sound a parley to his heartless foe who o'er the white sheet peers her whiter chin the reason of this rash alarm to know which he by dumb demeanour seeks to show but she with vehement prayers urgeth still under what colour he commits this ill thus he replies the colour in thy face that even for anger makes the lily pale and the red rose blush at her own disgrace shall plead for me and tell my loving tale under that colour am i come to scale thy never conquered fort the fault is thine for those thine eyes betray thee unto mine thus i forestall thee if thou mean to chide thy beauty hath ensnared thee to this night where thou with patience must my will abide my will that marks thee for my earth's delight which i to conquer sought with all my might but as reproof and reason beat it dead by thy bright beauty was it newly bred i see what crosses my attempt will bring i know what thorns the growing rose defends i think the honey guarded with a sting all this beforehand counsel comprehends but will is deaf and hears no heedful friends only he hath an eye to gaze on beauty and dotes on what he looks gainst law or duty i have debated even in my soul what wrong what shame what sorrow i shall breed but nothing can affection's course control or stop the headlong fury of his speed i know repentant tears ensue the deed reproach disdain and deadly enmity yet strike i to embrace mine infamy this said he shakes aloft his roman blade which like a falcon towering in the skies coucheth the fowl below with his wings shade whose crooked beak threats if he mount he dies so under his insulting falchion lies harmless lucretia marking what he tells with trembling fear as fowl hear falcon's bells lucrece quoth he this night i must enjoy thee if thou deny then force must work my way for in thy bed i purpose to destroy thee that done some worthless slave of thine i'll slay to kill thine honour with thy life's decay and in thy dead arms do i mean to place him swearing i slew him seeing thee embrace him so thy surviving husband shall remain the scornful mark of every open eye thy kinsmen hang their heads at this disdain thy issue blurred with nameless bastardy and thou the author of their obloquy shall have thy trespass cited up in rhymes and sung by children in succeeding times but if thou yield i rest thy secret friend the fault unknown is as a thought unacted a little harm done to a great good end 
for lawful policy remains enacted the poisonous simple sometimes is compacted in a pure compound being so applied his venom in effect is purified then for thy husband and thy children's sake tender my suit bequeath not to their lot the shame that from them no device can take the blemish that will never be forgot worse than a slavish wipe or birth hours blot for marks descried in men's nativity are nature's faults not their own infamy here with a cockatrice's dead killing eye he roused up himself and makes a pause while she the picture of pure piety like a white hind under the grip's sharp claws pleads in a wilderness where are no laws to the rough beast that knows no gentle right nor aught obeys but his foul appetite but when a black-faced cloud the world doth threat in his dim mist the aspiring mountains hiding from earth's dark womb some gentle gust doth get which blows these pitchy vapours from their biding hindering their present fall by this dividing so his unhallowed haste her words delays and moody pluto winks while orpheus plays end of part thirteen